Um, <clears throat> this morning, uh, Christoph is going to use two passages uh, for his sermon. The first is on page 1220 in your pew Bible. It's uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. And then <clears throat> after that, then I'll jump over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So it's First Peter chapter five verses one to four. And Peter says, or God says, true Peter, these these words. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, because, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not larger than over those entrusted to you, but being examples to your flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And then, I'm going to jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, third last verse, 31. Just a few verses from 31, chapter 10. It goes like this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is God's word. <laughs> Peter, I'm smiling here because I, I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong with this mic. Um, we were in testing this mic this week just to check what, I, what it is that I do wrong with it that nobody else seems to do, and we haven't quite got to the bottom of that yet. Folks, um, there's a... I think there's just so much electricity in my body, it, it can't cope. Um, if, if this doesn't work out, I'll move back over to the the other mic there. It, it struck me, not, not really in the preparation, but, but certainly by now, that the danger of election fatigue is pretty high. Um, we had started talking about electing elders. By the way, we chose the dates for our election before Stormont did, just in case there's any, this, this isn't our double booking, all right? Um, so, so here we are, we've been talking about electing elders for a couple of weeks uh, so far. Today we're, we're going to bring that to a close. By the time we finish today, you'll have had some teaching on this. You, you've also got, uh, I hope, on your way in your nomination forms. Can I, can I just check? It might be useful that by the time I finish speaking, that everyone who's planning to vote 
in the election has uh, a nomination form, because I'll, I'll take the last few minutes of my time just pointing you to the, the forms. So maybe what I'm asking is, just for the next moment or two, if somebody from the welcome team would maybe go and grab some forms, and if you're in the congregation and you don't have one yet, that you gently raise your hand, and we'll make sure that uh, within two or three minutes everybody who needs a, a nomination form would have one. That would be great. Thank you. Let's pray uh, just for a second. Lord, we've been thinking already um, here in church the last couple of weeks and, and actually during the week at home as well, we've been thinking of this responsibility uh, that we feel when we need to elect leaders. Lord, it could hardly be more heightened in our minds just now after uh, the election on Thursday and this election in our own church, uh, which we're going to, to have just in this next week. Lord, we need your help and your wisdom. Confirm to us the thoughts that we've already had that are good, but Lord, keep us open for a change of heart to see something that we haven't seen before as we prayerfully uh, consider whom we might nominate uh, for eldership in this church. Be with us and help us, we pray. Amen. So the first couple of weeks, as we've thought about this, we thought about two different um, subjects. We talked, first of all, about the, the duties of an elder, and then we talked last week about the qualifications for eldership. Uh, by the way, when you get those nomination forms, you'll see the, there's a wee PCI leaflet there, which covers a lot of the ground that we covered last week, but it takes it not from the passage we looked at in Titus chapter 1, but from the parallel passage in 1 Timothy. So that's quite useful. There's a, a good reminder of some of those qualifications for eldership in there. In a moment, we're going to think one last time about what kind of a person we should elect as an elder. But before we come to that, I want to do one last bit of process for you. Um, for those of you who have loved the code, we're doing a bit more of that today. For those of you who haven't loved the code, I promise to put it safely away after today for hopefully a long time. Section 178 of the code says this. The selection of those proposed to be called to the office of ruling elder in a congregation shall be made by one or other of the following methods, as the Kirk session shall determine. So there's two ways of doing this. So I'm going to show you the two methods and then explain why we have chosen to use the one that we do. So the first method is called selection by congregation. And we're told there that on two successive Sundays, the congregation shall be informed of the number of new ruling elders being sought and voting members invited to look out among themselves qualified persons suitable for the office and to give to the Kirk session on the following Sunday signed lists of the person or persons they propose, not exceeding the number required. The session may, as they see fit, provide for this by the circulation of poll lists to be marked with the names proposed, signed and returned. And we keep going. The session shall examine the lists received 
and the names which occur most frequently if the session approves and if those so proposed shall consent shall form a list up to the number of ruling elders required. Should any decline to act, their places may be filled by those who come nearest in the proposals recorded up to the said number. No name shall be listed which has not received a minimum of one-third of the votes cast. Okay. You got that? Sort of. I'll point out the, the differences. That's selection by the congregation. A second method is selection by the Kirk session. On two consecutive Sundays, the congregation shall be informed that an election of ruling elders is to take place and voting members invited to propose in writing for the consideration of the Kirk session any member or members qualified for the office. The session, having considered the proposals received and having obtained the consent of those approved, shall list the names of those to be presented to the congregation. Okay. Give me a second here and I'll try to make a few comments on these two methods. First method is called selection by the congregation. But even there, the Kirk session must be willing to approve the names which appear most frequently in the polling. Okay? The second method is called selection by the Kirk session, and it makes it more explicit that the congregation are making proposals for the consideration of Kirk session. Okay. If you look at that, if you take a step back and have a look at that, you'll see that in both cases, there's a responsibility on the congregation to make proposals, and there's a responsibility in the Kirk session to either approve them in the first method or to consider them in the second method. So whether you're in the congregation or in the Kirk session, we all have a responsibility for this election. We're all in this together. As you can imagine, there's room for debate about which of these two methods uh, is the best model or suits a congregation best. We have decided upon the second method election by or selection by the congregation, and there's a very practical reason why we probably don't have any choice. Um, so look again for a second at the instructions for selection by the congregation. If we pop up that slide, slide number nine, I've just highlighted, I didn't add that yellow bit, it's there. I've just made it bigger and put it in yellow for you. So for the first method, no name shall be listed which hasn't received a minimum of one-third of the votes cast. Uh, what does that mean? That means that if 100 people put proposal slips in the box, each with a variety of different names on them, no person who doesn't have 34 votes or more could become an elder under that method. It's a method that would serve us very well, I think, if we were a very small congregation where we all knew each other, or maybe a very static congregation where we'd all been together a very long time and again all knew each other. Now, we're not small or static in that kind of a way. And we have found from experience that this method doesn't serve us very well. Just to illustrate that point, in our last election, 
only one person got more than a third of the vote. So although we were hopeful of having five or six elders, we would only have been able to appoint one. Um, it seems to me possible that if we ran an election today on the basis of that model, we might not have anybody uh, receive the one-third of the vote that's required. So, we have, for this reason, for an, uh, the last number of elections, used the second method, selection by the Kirk session. I want to back up a little bit from that, uh, just a little bit further even than that, and say, well, goodness, that might come as a surprise to some of us. Um, you didn't realize that the Kirk session had a role in the selection of the new elders. Well, it's important that you do know that on the grounds of transparency. That would be very important to me, that you understand how this process works. What I'll do, just to, to be as clear as I possibly can be about our culture uh, with this in recent times, is I'll tell you how the last three elections have worked out. I can't speak for the ones before my time, and they're probably long enough ago not to be uh, particularly relevant. But we've had three elections um, in the 13 years that I've been here. Uh, as I say, we've always used election by Kirk session. In each case, we've done what we're doing this year, taken nominations from the congregation. In 2005, the six people who received the most votes and were willing to stand were all accepted by the Kirk session to become new elders. In 2014, our last election, the five people who received the most votes and who were willing to stand were accepted by the Kirk session and presented to the congregation. So in both of those elections, election by the Kirk session provided, yielded exactly the same result as any election by the congregation would have. In 2009, the Kirk session chose to set aside one person whose name had received a lot of votes and we didn't recommend them to the congregation. Uh, and there were grounds for that uh, which we shared as a Kirk session. Uh, the person had been involved in, in a serious public sin um, that had been something we'd been working with them on and we felt it wasn't the right time for that person to be invited onto the leadership. So in the last three elections, the Kirk session has taken on board the nominations of the congregation almost entirely, except for that one uh, exception when it decided to set aside uh, a person on those grounds. I hope that demonstrates to you the, the seriousness with which we take your nominations. Almost without exception, your nominations give us our elders. I hope it demonstrates also that we take seriously our role as a Kirk session to consider the nominations that you make to us and to offer leadership when it's required of us. Big responsibilities for all of us, eh? For anybody nominating for the, the Kirk session. So let's keep praying. Let's ask God to, to guide us as we fill in our nomination forms. Pray for the Kirk session. They have a role in this. 
before it's all done. We're finished on process. We've almost finished our, our whole mini-series here. I just wanted to finish by taking a few moments, bringing this all back to the, the big question that's in your mind as you, you have your form. Who will I nominate? What kind of a person will I propose for the Kirk session? Well, I'm going to give you a short answer and then take just a few minutes to explain why I think in the end it's the only right answer. We should choose people who will help us become more like Jesus. That's it. If we do that, then we'll do all right. Let me share very quickly how I've come to that conclusion. Jesus wanted people who were like him. In his earthly ministry, he went around uh, about creating people to be more like him. We, we know that in Kirkpatrick Memorial. We talk a lot here about discipleship, about being followers or disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me just again reiterate what's different about that understanding than, than some other standings we might have of what it is to be a Christian. Or Disciples aren't primarily people who believe certain things in their heads, who sign up to a body of doctrine. They're not primarily people who've joined a, a movement. They're people who are becoming like someone. There is no other way to understand that, that term disciple. A disciple is an apprentice. So Jesus' disciples were people who were learning from him how to become like him. They were learning how to say the kinds of things that he said and how to do the kinds of things that he did. They wanted to become people who would live in his character and in his strength and live the kind of lives that Jesus would live if, they were, if he were born into their circumstances. So Jesus went about creating people to be like him. But Jesus didn't stop there. He told his disciples that he wasn't happy to have 12 people who were like him or 70 in that larger crowd. He wanted the world to be populated with people like him. And so he, as he prepared to go back to his father in heaven, he left him that, that command, that great commission. Go out, he says, and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. You're becoming more like me, he said. That's what these three years have been all about. Now, invite others. Make them like me too. Train them to become my disciples. So Jesus did this work. He told his disciples to do this work. And thirdly, the New Testament church, they, they understood this. They knew very intuitively that this is what it means to be a church leader. It was a no-brainer. And I think this explains the language that's in the New Testament that seems a little bit strange to us. 
We're the ones who have ended up on the wrong side of this, not the early believers. What do I mean? Peter, in that passage which we read this morning and started with two weeks ago, he described a godly elder as someone who is not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. He makes it clear that we lead by example. We follow Jesus, and if a person follows our lead, they're naturally drawn closer to him as well. In the other passage we read this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's staggering. I, I, there's something in the Northern Ireland psyche that can't imagine a person ever saying that. But I think we should. A person who leads in the church of Jesus Christ ought to be able to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. If you follow me, if you fall in under my influence in any way, my hope and my prayer is that you too will follow him and become more like him. I think we should be able to offer that. If you spend time with me, you'll become more like Jesus. Any elders want to resign? We shouldn't. This is, this is normal, natural stuff. It's not about being perfect, but it's about going and growing. Just in case we think this seems crazy and we're pinning too much on maybe one verse, this is entirely consistent with how Paul thinks about his own life and how he teaches others. Let me show you a few verses where he talks about the example that he wants to give as he wants other people to follow. So in Philippians 3:17, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take the note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Thessalonians 3, verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. You know that thing where the Christian leader stands up and says, whatever you do, don't become like me? I don't know. I have a question about that. I don't want to let myself off the hook in that kind of a way. I would love to live the kind of life that if any of you fell under my influence, it would lead you closer to God. There's a prayer Jesus prayed. I hadn't haven't this in my notes, but the, the Lord's given it to me just now. There's a prayer Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer where he said, he was 
praying for his disciples and he said, I sanctify myself for them. I never understood what that meant. Like Jesus is perfectly holy. How can he sanctify himself? What I think he means is that as leaders, we, we offer our holiness, our lives to God for the people under our care. I don't think it's okay in the long run for a Christian leader to say, don't follow my example. Paul doesn't just take this idea to himself as if he was some sort of um, unusual superhero in the church. This is what he taught his assistant ministers, his understudies. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says to Timothy, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Timothy, you're not off the hook either. There's only one way to lead God's people, and it's by a godly example. Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Titus is another of Paul's understudy ministers. He says to him, In everything, set them an example, that is, the people under your care, by doing what is good. So a very quick look at the life of Jesus, at the life of his disciples, at Paul and the early church in general, and it's crystal clear what we should be looking for in an elder or a leader in a church. We should choose people who help us become more like Jesus. Sometimes it's too simple, isn't it? It makes sense when we bear in mind what the church is all about. I, I love this uh, idea, C.S. Lewis, and mere Christianity. He says, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. So, who do we propose on our nomination form? We propose little Christs, people in whom we can see the spirit of Jesus at work, People who inspire us to want to follow them, to be like them. So that more and more Kirkpatrick Memorial is full of little Christs. Do you want to pull that nomination form very quickly? Uh, hopefully everybody has one by now who's planning to vote. Three things there. There's a, a little leaflet from PCI called Choosing New Elders. Um, this will be very helpful to anybody who wasn't here for all of our teaching the last three weeks or, you know, heaven forbid, somebody might have forgotten something that we've thought about together these last three weeks, of course. Have a wee read of that just as you're putting pen to paper. Cup of tea, 
take a seat. Don't do this in five minutes. Do this, take, take half an hour at least. Here's how I'm planning to do it. I'm planning to, to do it early and then do it again. What, what do I mean by that? I've got this form today. I'm planning maybe today or tomorrow to mark it up. Put some marks beside the people I think intuitively that I might want to vote for. But then prayerfully keep that open in your mind. You know, allow God and, and revisit it later in the week. See if God has something that you haven't quite expected. So read that um, Choosing New Elders. You'll have a list of names of the members of the congregation eligible for in this election. Now, a bit of the initial feedback is that this mightn't be quite as large as some of you would like it to be. Uh, I, think, I think we tried to put it all on one page, and, that, and that's a good thing. It's all there, um, all on one side of one page. If, if you need a larger uh, print copy of that, get in touch with Jill and she will make those available to you. Uh, we'll do a bit of work on that uh, and make those available. And finally, the last thing is the bit you actually fill in. Those two bits we don't need to see again. We don't need those back, but we do need back your nomination form signed. It says uh, on the form that you can nominate up to, but no more than six people. I want you to be very, very clear about that. I think it's quite valid in this election to have quite a number of forms come back in with less than six blanks filled. We've set the bar high in terms of what we believe God's word says an elder is and of what we need here at Kirkpatrick Memorial in the moment. You, you may not be able to bring to mind six people who, who you think are, are ready for that work, that's fine. You don't have to offer us six names. You can offer us one well, prayerfully considered name, and that would be a good nomination. So one is fine, two, anywhere between one and six. Um, fill, fill those in, sign them, and return them. You'll see there's a, a deadline, um, and it was made clear to me again in the code when I looked at it this week. It's really, you get two Sundays today being the first, so it, it needs to be with us by close of play next Sunday. Uh, we don't have an evening service next week, so there's no opportunity to leave a form then. So you need to bring us the form to next Sunday's service, or if you know you can't make it, then bring it to us during the week, and we'll take them into the church office. But do, do get your forms to us by um, 12.30, we've said, next Sunday after the service, and then the nominations will be counted. Are there any questions about the process we have taken plenty of time over three weeks to lay it all out as carefully and transparently as we can. 
uh, you might hesitate to ask a question in a, a big forum like this. Come and speak to me afterwards if you have any questions about the ground that we've covered. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you particularly for those, those verses where Paul is so clear about his understanding of his leadership. He feels able to and, and wants to be able to say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Lord, I pray for those of us who are already charged with leadership here to begin to own that kind of a vision for our own lives. Lord, if we feel inadequate, if we feel a million miles away from being able to say that, we thank you that you're gracious and kind and we pray that you would move us on, grow us again, make us into little Christs, people in whom your spirit's very evidently at work whom others could safely lead. Lord, we pray for all of us as we have these nomination forms in our hands this week. Lord, I, I'm going to pray that you'd help us. We're, we're so distracted. We're so fragmented. We, we really struggle oftentimes to prioritize the important things. Lord, I pray you'd break into our lives. You'd help us now to resolve to take some time to pray and to prayerfully make nominations. And that we'd resolve to, to do the practical work of getting them back here next Sunday. Lord, help each one of us to take really seriously this particular calling you've given us to elect new elders here. Help us with it. We need your wisdom and your grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.